0: He is the sports columnist for the Bucks County Carrier Times, covering the Philadelphia 76ers. We welcome Tom Moore onto Hostology. How's it going, Tom? All
1: right. How are you guys doing?
0: Really, really good. Um, Thanks for joining the show. And uh, we've been looking forward to this interview because you specialize in covering the Sixers. And wanted us to pick your brain (laughs) just about this team. It seems like they've been through such a process the last few years. And this year seems to be the culmination of that. Right now, they're twenty-eight and thirteen um, at the top of the Eastern Conference. And just kind of a general question: What do you make of this the Sixers this season? Um, they're they're playing in a pandemic. Um, I think as fans know, um, the Philadelphia fans could be harsh. They're fairly passionate, but yet this season the Sixers are atop top. You know the, the NBA, but there's not that um, those fans there. Can you kind of just walk us through what the reception is for the team is there? Um, them being just uh, an NBA power, but yet that the fans can't enjoy it inside the arena?
1: Well, the interesting thing is, guys, is that the game presentation hasn't changed. So they were playing everything at ear-splitting volume and doing all the stuff. And Dwight Howard is, you know, encouraging the fans, even though there were no fans there, only Sixers employees and like 35 media members, you know, was always there until – I guess last Sunday against the Spurs. So it's similar in some ways, but still different now with the fans there, you know, they make a, the 3,100, do make a lot of noise when there's been no cheering and it's only been piped in and it's real. Uh, you know, I noticed like in when, I guess it was the uh, overtime win Wednesday night I was down there and um, uh, excuse me, overtime loss to the box. I'm sorry. Yes. Um It was really interesting. Um, uh, We kind of reminded you of what it was like, um, even though there were only, you know, seats every couple rows and, you know, socially distanced and all that that stuff. Um, Yeah, I think they got off to a really good start, which I think the fans really appreciated, you know, with a new coach, new system, two new starters. um, I think fans weren't sure. The schedule was fairly favorable. They had one of the easier schedules in the you know one of the five easiest schedules in the nba in the first half and i think they took advantage of that they beat mostly teams they should beat they won at home uh primarily struggled a little bit on the road um but yeah now they're you know tied with the tied with the nets um uh you know kind of heading into the stretch here um and with all of the bucks are only game and a half back too so um and it looks like a three-team race although you never count out. You never know with the Miami Heat and the Celtics if they get their acts together too. They could, you know, they could be factors too in the East. So, yeah, I think they, I think fans want something to happen by the trade deadline. I'm just not convinced necessarily that it will, uh, unless you know it's a fairly reasonable uh, price tag. And I don't think Daryl Morey wants to part with, you know. Young guys, you know, sacrifice the future. Matisse Stiebel, maybe uh, Maxi. You know, right? it'd be interesting to see if they could get a difference maker if he'd be willing to part with one or both of those.
0: So can you talk about the progression of Joel Embiid? Um, right now he's out with an injury, unfortunately, but he's been really just dominating the, the league um, this season. And I think finally being able to see his potential has been awesome. Um, what's your opinion of him? And then with his injury being out, what is Ben Simmons' role going to be on this team? Do you think he needs to assert more of a scoring position on this team, or do you think things should stay the status quo while Embiid works his way back into the lineup?
1: Um, I think Justin first with Embiid. Um, I think that I think um, Doc Rivers is using him differently, and I think. Instead of just posting them up or playing them at one spot, if you notice, sometimes he'll get the ball in the low post. Sometimes he'll get it mid range. Sometimes he'll get at the top of the key. Sometimes he even get the ball at the three point line. And his shooting has been much better. He's got he's got career highs across the board. I think the only thing, only w- one he doesn't have career highs in is offensive rebounds. But everything else, his field goal percentage, is three point percentage, his scoring, um, you know, he he really. Um, is just making those mid-range shots, uh, you know, at, at a very high level. As far as Simmons, um, I do think he needs to attack more consistently, you know, with, with in beat out, uh, for instance, the fourth quarter the other night with the Sixers having played the night um, having played the night before, won a close game with the Knicks. You know, Tobias Harris, a lot of the shots were short. You could tell that he didn't have the legs, um, you know, I think that would be a time for you know, him to attack the rim, um, you know, and get to the basket. Uh, I know he's not shooting three pointers or mid range shots, but, you know, with his quickness and size and being such a matchup problem, I think he can get to the rim just about seemingly whenever he wants. Um, so I think he needs to be more aggressive and then he needs to stay aggressive when Embiid comes back, just probably wouldn't have as many shots. That's all.
2: Tom, with relation to maybe the development or or maybe just the motivation to Joel Embiid, um, how much of this season would you credit to uh, perhaps a culture change or or just the change in coaching staff and and front office? It's always tough because this is a younger team and players develop on their own, of course, each year. Uh, But how impactful has the change in coaching and front office been on this team season?
1: Yeah, I know. I think, I think that it really has made a difference. I think doc rivers, you know, the players all know he won a championship, you know, with the Celtics, he's had winning teams, 50 win teams, some 60 win teams, you know, with, um, with the Clippers was successful before Boston, you know, with Orlando. So I think he has some cachet. and, you know, Daryl Morey traded for James Harden, you know, with, uh, with the Rockets, um, you know, didn't win a championship, made the conference finals. Um, but I think, you know, I think they both have track records and I think, um, the players know that. I think when you have cachet and I think, you know, and beads realizing that he's, you know, 26, 27, but you know, you don't know how, you really don't know how long the window is going to be open. Um, had they traded for Harden, I think it would have been two or three years. That would have meant you got to win it or else now, theoretically it'll be longer, but you know, you need to have the right people around. They seem to have really good chemistry and like each other this year. It's just a question of, you know, do they have enough, you know, in a seven game series against in the second round, they're going to end up playing either the Bucks or the Nets or the Celtics or the, the Heat, probably one of those teams. And, you know, to win a seven game series, you have to be the better team because there's no surprises. You know, you, you have to just have better players um, more reactive players, um, and so on. So, um, yeah, I, I think getting back to what you were you were asking, Matt. Yeah, I think it's made a big, big difference because Brett Brown was kind of learning as he went. Elton Brand was learning as he as he went along. You know, he went all in to get Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris. It didn't work out with Butler, not unnecessarily on the court, but more. I think they were worried about him. You know, his. Honesty, shall we say, Uh, you know, being a problem going forward with the coaches and teammates and splitting things apart. So, you know, here they are. And, you know, they they have a shot this year. I don't know that they'll I don't know that they can. They're quite ready yet. Just I just don't know if they quite have enough in a seven game series. You know, I still think they need maybe a, a veteran backup point guard to help help, you know, shake Milton on the second unit. And possibly a backup stretch four. I don't know that Daryl Moore's is going to be able to get them. Maybe if he doesn't get them by the deadline, maybe he could, you know, pick one of them up in in the buyout market, you know, coming coming af- afterward, where that would just wouldn't cost you anything in a trade. So yeah, it should be very interesting. Final uh, two months, a little under two months here.
2: Absolutely. Uh, of all the configurations of this roster that we've seen under the kind of Joel and Ben Simmons era of this team. You know, of course, the, the Raptors, Kawhi had that dagger in game seven. That was a team that seemed uh, very ready, uh, one of the best iterations of that team. How would you compare this team to that team? Do you think this team is uh, more prepared to be competitive in the playoffs than that team?
1: Uh, I think this team might be a little better defensively than that team. But that team, you know, that was Jimmy Butler. Um, So you had a closer, um, you know, with him and Embiid. But the problem was, you know, Simmons really didn't have a role down the stretch of games because if he doesn't have the ball on his hands, you know, to some degree they were playing four on five offensively. Um, And so you don't like to do that. He he doesn't shoot the ball, you know, from deep. So teams can, you know, sag off of him. Now they had J.J. Redick, who was – you know, uh, terrific on the offensive end and worked really well with Embiid. But at the defensive end, you know, was exploited, you know, quite a bit. The Nets, who had, in that series before the Raptors, whoever when they switched, whoever Redick ended up on, um, whether it was Lavert or you know Dinwiddie or whoever, would just take them. Um, and that's what the playoffs are: is you know finding your advantage and taking advantage of you know taking taking advantage of. It. So. I think, like I said, I think defensively, team might be a little better, um, but offensively, you know, the jury's still out. Can Tobias Harris be a closer? Can he be the second guy at the end of games? He's hit some big shots this year in the regular season. Can he do it in a playoff series, you know, with, uh, you know, 2-2 game five in the, in the Eastern Conference semifinals? Uh, you know, and um, we don't know. And then we maybe we'll find out this year.
0: Tom, I wanted to talk to you about Ben Simmons and his progression as a player. Um, opinions vary in terms of what his potential is, what his ceiling is as a star in, in the league. Um, from most experts, they, they they have stated, talking to us, that he strengthens defensively, but just the shooting it's not going to come around, but then we see from like national columnists that, you know, he has the potential to be a Le- LeBron James type of player. Can you just take us into the inside of what he's feeling as just a player himself, what his expectations as himself, his role on the 76ers?
1: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's been a three-time all-star Didn't get to play this year, obviously, you know, with Embiid because of the, because of the, uh, being around the barber and you know the contact tracing, um, and then had to miss, I guess the the first two games um, when they when they came back. Um, yeah, it, it's interesting because Doc Rivers doesn't you know he's been asked about Simmons not shooting jumpers or three pointers, and he says he doesn't really care; it doesn't matter to him. Um, now publicly, that's what he says. I I would think privately they're trying to encourage him you know to shoot that more. To me, especially like that 12, 15 footer, if that's available, that's such a good shot. And it would help with the spacing, too, because in the playoffs, like the way the Celtics would cover him, they put a big guy on him and just back in the lane and just clog everything up. Um, So, but I mean, I think, um, you know, defensively, his ability to defend all the different positions. I mean, like the Nets, like you probably put him on Duran if Duran's healthy, but then who guards Harden? you know, you probably have to put Danny green. And I think, honestly, I think Danny green's a little underrated. I think people are like, I'll trade him for Kyle Lowry, trade him for whatever. But if you would, you know, if you would trade him and you get Lowry, you're going to need a starter at that spot. And I mean, maybe it could be Matisse Thibel, but offensively putting Thibel and Simmons on the court together is not ideal um, because you would really almost need four shooters out there, you know, with Simmons for the spacing in the half court offense. And I think he, you know, he's Green's really good at that baseline three, and I think he's a very good, he's a good defender, and he does a lot of little things, and he doesn't have to have the ball. If you bring in another guy who's ball dominant, you know, or once, you know, wants the ball, Embiid's going to get less touches, Simmons going to get less, less touches. Sometimes, you know, chemistry and all that stuff can be kind of, uh, it can be a little fickle, you know, it, it can come and go if you don't have the right mix, you know, of people. Um, uh, but yeah, Simmons, I mean, the, his, you know, he, he clearly has progressed. He's been getting to the rim, you know, better and more consistently, which was certainly, uh, you know, uh, encouraging. I think it was the Utah game with, with Embiid out earlier this year where he had 42 and, and, you know, everything was within six feet. I mean, if you can get it, that's just fantastic.
2: Tom, you alluded to this earlier in, you know, not not being entirely certain of what the Sixers may want to do at the break. Daryl Morey, typically fairly act GM. Uh, that may be an understatement. Uh, I certainly, full disclosure, I'm a Rockets fan. I certainly miss him in Houston. Um, what is your sense of... Who is most likely to be moved? And you mentioned like a, a veteran point guard being a big need for this team. Do you see any any potential options out there for the Sixers, if you had to guess? Well,
1: you know, guys like you know, George Hill from the Thunder, you know, who had been, um, you know, played for the Spurs and has played for some, you know, some other teams, um, led the league in three-point shooting last season, isn't shooting the three quite as well this year. But you know, re- runs the offense averages like four assists to turn per turnover, which is excellent. Two and a half to one is regarded as very good. Now, I don't know what that's I don't know what it's going to take. The Thunder are not a very good team. You know, I don't know what they would want necessarily, you know, if they'd be willing to take, you know, Mike Scott, for example, and you know, another player in the draft pick. I, and I don't know. I I mean, I got the sense that Maury was uh you know, more, I don't know what the word is. I won't say aggressive, but more optimistic. I'm just getting the feeling that maybe um, the price tags are, have been too high and he, he doesn't want to overpay mm-hmm. and go all in necessarily. Um, I think if he gets something that would make the team better without kind of disrupting the rotation, you know, I think he would do it. They do have that $8.2 million trade exception. So some guys, if, if they make less than 8.2, you could trade, just the exception and a draft pick for a player. And then they'd have to waive somebody probably Vincent Poirier would be the likely, you know, in the last year of a contract who doesn't play to fit on the 15 man, you know, roster. Um, I think he's looking to do something, but I think, I don't think he's desperate and I don't think he thinks, well, the bucks just got uh, PJ Tucker and, you know, look at, look at the, look at the Nick uh, look at the nets. You know, they added um, Lake Griffin, who I'm, I'm still not sure is a great fit because he's not a three yeah. point shooter and he doesn't attack the rim like he used to. I'm just not sure how much of a difference he makes unless they're going to make him a small ball five guy, which maybe that's what they're doing. I'm not sure. But I don't know here that really he would have been much of an upgrade over Mike Scott, you know, to be honest with you. So I think his eyes are open. I think he's considering everything, but I think I don't think I get the sense that he's not determined. I have to do something here. I think the fans would like him to, but I think if he doesn't, that just tells you that. He couldn't make a deal that he was happy with, that he didn't think, and you know, that wasn't uh, that did, that did wouldn't have taken him overpaying for what he was getting.
0: Tom, um, I wanted to ask you, as a journalist, what has it been like covering the, the NBA during the pandemic, and, and what are things that you're seeing now in terms of coverage that once things go back to normal, you you might want to prefer staying staying around in terms of media access, or, or do you think things should just go back to normal um, well, once everything is free, if lifted?
1: Yeah, I mean, we get pretty much no access. I mean, pregame is just the coach, 7 o'clock game, Rivers would talk at 5.15, that's a home game, and then the visiting coach talks at 5.30, all Zoom calls. Then after the game, Rivers talks about 10 minutes after the game. And then players, but you're totally at their mercy. You can't, you can request, but if they say they don't want to talk or whatever, you can't. It's difficult not to everybody to write the same thing. There's a lot of pack journalism and there's almost no choice in the matter because you just don't have access. Now, I was able to, I guess it was three weeks ago, arrange something where I got Doc Rivers to call me and I talked to him about how he's using Tobias Harris differently and Joel Embiid to get the most out of them. Um, Something like that, that was different. And that was something that, you know, wasn't in, you know, you can ask a question and a follow-up on a Zoom call, but I had like 10 questions. I think it wasn't that long. It might've been 11 minutes. I mean, it wasn't a super long conversation, but it was enough where I was able to get specific things. And I thought it was interesting. He said, when he watched film of Harris from last year, he noticed he was going right a lot. And he, with the Clippers, well, you know, thought, that harris preferred driving left so he he called him up and said what's the deal and harris said well i can go either way and doc said baloney except he didn't say baloney if you know what i mean and he said um he said uh and then harris responded um, uh, you think i i prefer going left and rivers said i know you prefer going left and he said why wouldn't you say something to brett brown about that because he would he kept running plays where he would be going to his right. And Harris said that um he didn't kind of didn't want to rock the boat and he just had plays called for him and he he you know he would run them. So first thing I was surprised is that the, the Sixers staff didn't realize from you know from film the year before in that first 55 games when Harris had, you know, played so well with the Clippers that he preferred going left. And secondly, I was surprised that he wouldn't say anything to Brown because if you notice now he's on the right wing a lot and he, he, he goes to the middle a lot, which is with his left hand. I honestly hadn't realized that he, he'd like to go left as much because he hadn't really done it with the Sixers until this year. Um, So that was just something a little bit. And also, you know, how you call plays, has, what what rivers is good at sticking with plays if a play works like earliest year they ran the same play six times and they scored six times the end of the game then he said human nature is that you want to do something different but it's like well they didn't stop us so why would we stop running it um so but anyway you know you kind of have to work that's you can't do that all the time it's difficult you know it's difficult to arrange things like that um but that's the thing i missed a locker room access before the game where you could grab a guy Harris would talk before games and get some stuff maybe that they're not in a rush to get out of there after a game so most of our seats are better I like our seats better where they are now than before they're higher up but they're on the side court as opposed to behind the basket so I like that better but everything else I would wish it would go back to the way it was beforehand.
0: Well, Tom, thank you very much for joining us. Really appreciate it. Enjoy the Insight Key. Please let our listeners and viewers know where they can find you on social media and where they can find also your um, this articles and insight on the 76ers.
1: Sure. Um, on Twitter, I'm at Tom Moore Philly. That's M-O-O-R-E, uh, Philly, P-H-I-L-L-Y. And you can, I usually link my stories. I'll tweet out links you know, three or four or five times there. And if not, you can go to Times dot com slash sports and access uh, my content there too.
0: Awesome, Tom. Thank you so Thank much you. for your time, Tom. We yeah, appreciate really it. appreciate it. Thank you, well, Tom.
1: Thanks a lot, Justin. I'm at any time.